Hello and welcome into another episode of the Labumba Pastors Blog. I'm Masumba Jonathan. Today's lesson is entitled John 21, Called Again. Our text to begin is from John chapter 21. We're going to read from verse 1 up to verse 14. It says this After this, Jesus revealed himself again to the disciples by the Sea of Tiberias, and he revealed himself in this way. Simon Peter, Thomas called the twin, Nathaniel of Cana in Galilee, the sons of Zebedee, and two others of his disciples were together. Simon Peter said to them, I am going fishing. They said to him, We will go with you. They went out and got into the boat, but that night they caught nothing. Just as day was breaking, Jesus stood on the shore, yet the disciples did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to them, Children, do you have any fish? They answered him, No. He said to them, Cast the net on the right side of the boat, and you will find some. So they cast it, and now they were not able to haul it in because of the quantity of fish. That disciple whom Jesus loved, therefore, said to Peter, It is the Lord. When Simon Peter heard that it was the Lord, he put on his outer garment, for he was stripped for work and threw himself into the sea. The other disciples came in the boat, dragging the net full of fish, for they were not far from the land, but about a hundred yards off. When they, got up, when they got out on land, they saw a charcoal fire in place with fish laid out on it and bread. Jesus said to them, Bring some of the fish that you have just caught. So Simon Peter went aboard and hauled the net ashore, full of large fish, 153 of them. And although there were so many, the net was not torn. Jesus said to them, Come and have breakfast. Now none of the disciples dared ask him, Who are you? They knew it was the Lord. Jesus came and took the bread and gave it to them, and so with the fish. This was now the third time that Jesus was revealed to the disciples after he was raised from the dead. John is the only one who records this specific appearance of the resurrected Jesus to these seven disciples. The Sea of Tiberias was another name for the Sea of Galilee. It's possible the disciples were there because of what they had been told about where they would meet Jesus again. In Matthew 28:16, we read, Now the eleven disciples went to Galilee, to the mountain to which Jesus had directed them. While there in Galilee... Peter decides he wants to go fishing. James, John, Thomas, Nathaniel, and two other disciples not named say they want to go too. They fish all night and don't catch anything. Does this sound familiar to you? What happened when Jesus first called Peter, James, and John to follow him? In Luke chapter 5, from verse 1 to 11, we read these things. On one occasion, while the crowd was pressing in on him to hear the word of God, he was standing by the lake of Gennesaret, and he saw two boats by the lake, but the fishermen had gone out of them and were washing their nets. Getting into one of the boats, which was Simon's, he asked him to put out a little from the land, and he sat down and taught the people from the boat. And when he had finished speaking, he said to Simon, Put out into the deep and let down your nets for a catch. And Simon answered, Master, we toiled all night and took nothing. But at your word, I will let down the nets. 
And when they had done this, they enclosed a large number of fish, and their nets were breaking. They signaled to their partners in the other boat to come and help them. And they came and filled both the boats, so that they began to sink. But when Simon Peter saw it, he fell down at Jesus' knees, saying, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, O Lord. For he and all who were with him were astonished at the catch of fish that they had taken. And so also were James and John, sons of Zebedee, who were partners with Simon. And Jesus said to Simon, Do not be afraid. From now on you will be catching men. And when they had brought their boats to land, they left everything and followed him. Companies sometimes produce products that are found to have dangerous faults in them once they are in use by the general public. The manufacturer will issue what is known as a recall. The products must be brought back in and repaired or changed until they are fit for the use they were designed for. It illustrates something God does in every believer's life. We find in John 21 a unique repetition of these same fishing events that occurred in Jesus' original call to these men. I find it very interesting. Though the disciples believed in Jesus and followed him in his ministry, there were many imperfections in their perspectives and theology. They didn't believe Messiah would suffer death, even when Jesus told them he would. They continuously anticipated an establishment of David's kingdom with Jesus on his throne. They often found themselves contradicting God's plan rather than participating in it. We see several examples of men in Scripture who God called once and then again in his service after some time had passed. It always had to do with something lacking in them for fulfilling the role God purposed for them. As Moses grew up, he recognized he was supposed to play a part in the redemption of Israel. In Hebrews chapter 11, verses 24 and 25, we read, By faith Moses, when he was grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to be mistreated with the people of God than to enjoy the fleeting pleasures of sin. But Moses' first attempt to begin this work led to him running away from Egypt into the wilderness. In Exodus chapter 2, from verse 11 to 15, we read, One day, when Moses had grown up, he went out to his people and looked on their burdens, and he saw an Egyptian beating a Hebrew, one of his people. He looked this way and that, and seeing no one, he struck down the Egyptian and hid him in the sand. When he went out the next day, behold, two Hebrews were struggling together. And he said to the man in the wrong, Why do you strike your companion? He answered, Who made you a prince and a judge over us? Do you mean to kill me as you killed the Egyptian? Then Moses was afraid and thought, Surely the thing is known. When Pharaoh heard of it, he sought to kill Moses. But Moses fled from Pharaoh and stayed in the land of Midian, and he sat down by a well. Forty years went by before God then called Moses back to save Israel. In Acts chapter 7, verse 30, we read, Now when forty years had passed, an angel appeared to him in the wilderness of Mount Sinai in a flame of fire in a bush. What happened in those years? The self-confident young man was gone, and this time Moses argued with God, asking him to send someone else because he was incapable. It is interesting that so often God must weaken our flesh 
before we can be strong in his spirit. When Gideon and the men of Israel responded to God's call for them to fight Midian, God told Gideon there was this problem that had to change before they could go and fight. In Judges chapter 7, verse 2, we read, The Lord said to Gideon, The people with you are too many for me to give the Midianites into their hand, lest Israel boast over me, saying, My own hand has saved me. They started with 32,000 men, and God reduced them to 300 before they were the perfect army for his work. Elijah participated in a great victory against Baal worship at Mount Carmel, but then ran away into the wilderness when Jezebel threatened his life. The Lord appeared to him and asked him an interesting question. In 1 Kings 19, verse 13, we read, And when Elijah heard it, he wrapped his face in his cloak and went out and stood at the entrance of the cave. And behold, there came a voice to him and said, What are you doing here, Elijah? Why was Elijah discouraged? And what was he doing in this place? He explains when he answers God in verse 14. He said, I have been very jealous for the Lord, the God of hosts, for the people of Israel have forsaken your covenant, thrown down your altars, and killed your prophets with the sword. And I, even I only, am left, and they seek my life to take it away. Elijah felt alone and afraid. He said he was the only one left, in his mind, who was faithful to God, and the Israelites wanted to kill him. Similarly to the disciples, Elijah had his own expectations and his own understanding of what would happen. God replies this way to him from verse 15 to verse 18. And the Lord said to him, Go, return on your way to the wilderness of Damascus. And when you arrive, you shall anoint Hazel to be king over Syria. And Jehu the son of Nimshi you shall anoint to be king over Israel. And Elisha the son of Shaphat of Abel Maholah you shall anoint to be prophet in your place. And the one who escapes from the sword of Hazael shall Jehu put to death. And the one who escapes from the sword of Jehu shall Elisha put to death. Yet I will leave seven thousand in Israel, all the knees that have not bowed to Baal, and every mouth that has not kissed him. Actually, everything was going according to God's plan. And he informs Elijah that he had 7,000 other Israelites who he had preserved in faithfulness to him. Elijah's new call was to appoint the ones who would continue God's purpose after he was gone. The term disciple means a humble follower or humble learner. Jesus' disciples were called that, though frequently they didn't behave that way. Peter argued with Jesus about what would happen to him. The disciples argued with one another over which one of them would be the greatest. Jesus often rebuked them for not understanding what he said or for not having faith in him. They had been called and they had responded, but there was great lack in them that God needed to deal with before they would be fit for service. The same is true for every follower of Christ. Apollos passionately preached Christ without really understanding the gospel. God sent Priscilla and Aquila to help him correct his theology. Paul had to rebuke Peter for behaving one way before the Gentiles and a different way when he was with Jews. We'll conclude today with three points to consider and what, on what keeps us from being perfect for God's call to serve. Number one is bad theology. 
Jesus says true worship is worship in spirit and truth. We can't serve God perfectly while we teach what doesn't agree with truth. Our words must agree with God's words, and until they do, God will continue to bring circumstances in our lives to correct our misunderstandings. Number two is false motives. The father of the prodigal son had this interesting dialogue with his older son at the conclusion of that story that Jesus told. In Luke 15, from verse 28 to verse 32, we read, But he was angry and refused to go in. His father came out and entreated him, but he answered his father, Look, these many years I have served you, and I never disobeyed your command, yet you never gave me a young goat that I might celebrate with my friends. But when this son of yours came, who has devoured your property with prostitutes, you killed the fattened calf for him. And he said to him, Son, you are always with me, and all that is mine is yours. It was fitting to celebrate and be glad, for this your brother was dead and is alive. He was lost and is found. Why was the older brother serving his father? Was he doing it out of love or for what he could gain? He was doing it for what he could gain. Therefore, he was unhappy when his younger brother was graciously received back from his sin by his father. If we don't have God's love for the lost, we will never be able to perform our gospel ministry to the lost. The last point, number three, is hypocrisy. How can I preach to others what I don't practice myself? If I warn others to flee the wrath that is coming because of these things, as are written in Colossians 3, verse 5 and 6, put to death, therefore, what is earthly in you, sexual immorality, impurity, passion, evil desire, and covetousness, which is idolatry. On account of these, the wrath of God is coming. But then I myself am sexually immoral, covetous, and evil. I am unfit for God's call. You can't serve God while living in unconfessed and unrepentant sin. You can deceive yourself into thinking you are serving God, but there will be no reward and no presence of God in your life until you first walk in obedience to Him. If you have been failing in any of these things and you need to be recalled, Jesus is calling you again to be made right so you can truly enter His service. When he has tried us, the Bible says we shall come forth as gold. Respond to his perfecting work in your heart. Don't resist him in stubbornness, trying to hang on to your own thinking. Submit to his truth and go forward in his power. God bless you all.